good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode four of But What Do We Know? And what an episode we have in store for you tonight. Tonight is um, only didn't come very often, at least once a year, though. It is the eve of Wales versus England, Six Nations. I'm joined, of course, by my good friends, Mike and Gaz. Uh, tonight, we've got a packed show. We'll be talking about, um, obviously, the big match tomorrow. We'll be talking about the greatest England-Wales games ever to, been, ever to have been played. And, of course, we'll talk team selection, a bit of controversy that's been thrown out in the media this week. Um, and we'll talk about just what it means to, to the Welsh, this game. It's a game that we all look out for when we, uh, when we look out for the Six Nations. We always look for, for Wales-England um, more than any other game. Um, so that's what we've got in store for you tonight. But uh, but first of all, um, what are we drinking, lads? I'm on a, um, an IPA, a WRU IPA, Brecon Brewing Company, 5%. It's quite nice, actually. I was drinking it in the Autumn Internationals when I went to see Wales versus South Africa. Um, and uh, it, is a, it is a beautiful tipple. So uh, that's what I'm drinking. What, what, are you, uh, what, are you, what are you drinking, Gaz? Well, um, I would normally have a Russian beer, but given recent events, I've decided to impose my own sanctions against Putin. <laughs> um, so I've just gone for a Czech beer, which I can't pronounce. <laughs> well, well done. It's good to see you uh, doing something, mate. Yeah, you're standing your ground. I like it. I like it. Um, but is it is it Budvar? Is it? That's Czech, isn't it? Something like Bedford. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mike? Are you imposing any of your own sanctions? Or are you keeping it Australian? Or are you sticking with a strongbow? No, I'm, I'm I'm actually doing a gin and tonic tonight. And you're all yeah. shaking, shaking heads at me. Well, I would expect that from an English fan, not from a Welsh fan, but there we go. Never mind. You'll have a prawn, prawn sandwiches next. He'd fit in um, well at Twickenham. He would fit in well at Twickenham, wouldn't he? I was just thinking the same thing. Prawn sandwiches and a gin and tonic. Um, have you ever been to Wimbledon, Mike? No, 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 no. But if Santa Claus, <laughs> no, 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 never been in Wimbledon. No, no, wouldn't be there. It's a, it's a Brecon, it's a, it's a Brecon gin I'm drinking. Oh, okay. Uh, at least it's Welsh, I suppose. So, yeah, good. All right, lads. Um, so, this week um, on Instagram, on Twitter, so. First of all, to our listeners, by the way, remember, but what do we know at mail.com if you want to get in touch? Uh, Thank you for those who've left reviews, who've left ratings, who've subscribed. Really appreciate you listening. Um, It is just uh, three lads just talking absolute dribble, 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 dribble. But um, we do appreciate you listening in. Um, So, yeah, so... This week on Instagram, I've been talking a lot about the best Wales England games. Um, I've been putting it to a vote, and um, one of the votes. This is how many listeners we have, right? One of the, <laughs> one of the votes. One of the votes was for the 1999 um, Wales England game. Um, so. I want you guys just to cast your minds back to that game. So that was the game where Scott Gibbs scored in the last minute. Um, I, for me, it's not the greatest Wales-England game. I do remember it well, and it is a classic. 
Um, I, I don't know if uh, any of you, that is your favourite Wales-England game. It, it, it's my favourite Wales-England game, and, and I'll tell you why. I'm a little bit older than you guys, so I, I remember sort of all the, 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 the mid and early 90s where we were losing to everybody. There wasn't there wasn't much going on. Um, and, and it was the Five Nations then, and I think we were looking forward to the Wales-Scotland games just because that was one of our only chances of, of winning any matches. Um, and we were basically, if you remember, I think going back to week one, we talked about... Um, one of the biggest losses was actually in 1998 That's right. against South Africa. So we obviously go into a Six Nations campaign off the back of that. Um, we have a bit of a tumultuous uh, in-camp, shall we say. And uh, In what way? I, I, th- I think there was, there was lots of things going on, I think. I was I was still very relatively young, ish. Um, trying to remember how old I was. No, no, I, I, I've I haven't got enough fingers and thumbs for for that. Um, Put your hands so down, guys. So I don't think there was I don't think there was the the unity that was there. I was trying to help him out. Trying to, and uh, and for me, we weren't expected to do anything. I think. England were still, they were... Uh, well, they were on the verge of a Grand Slam, weren't they? This they were, the on, the verge, the they were on the verge of a Grand Slam. Um, and, and you know, they, they had been, and I hate to say it, they had been playing quite well um, in the international stage leading up to that one. And it wasn't just it wasn't just Scott Gibbs going over, scoring the try. Jenkins needed to knock the kick over as well. Mm. Um, and I don't think he left him... A, an angle that he would have liked in the last minute of a game. Um, <laughs> so say more, about that. say more about that. What do you mean by that? So I think he did have the opportunity to possibly run in under the post, but he uh, he went a bit he went a bit wide and he he stayed going wide. Um, so I think the angle was the angle was slightly awkward, but everyone always thinks that he he actually went in from about five or ten yards. But if you actually watch it, he actually goes in from about twenty five yards, um, and he the the English players just fall off of him. Um, it's like watching like a video game uh, with someone else is controlling him. Um, you know. This was this was England. This they were on they were on for the Grand Slam. Um, we weren't at, we weren't at our greatest then. Let's be honest, um, but we still managed to. And it, um, and you know what made it even more special for me is although it was a Welsh home game, it was actually at Wembley because the Millennium Stadium, mm-hmm. Prince Party Stadium, was being built. So actually, we beat them home, but in their home. Mm. And in the home of their one of their na- other national sports, football as well. Um, and for the pressure for Jenkins to knock that over, I mean, you know, he'd get his little bit of Paul Call sand, make his little make his little castle, and uh, <laughs> uh, and he knocked it over. You know, and at once I, I think he was the first player to go over a thousand points international rugby wise as well. So you know, he was, and 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 in to do that in the Welsh team that he was in as well. I I think. <laughs> We didn't, yeah, no, we didn't get much. Um, no. So for me, I think that's what 
started the ball rolling with the the next generation, sort of the early 2000s, and then going through all the 2000s and into the 2010s and to where we are now. I, I think, looking back, that game was probably now, for me, a catalyst in everything that has gone on since then. Mm. So for me, the great it is one of the, it is one of the greatest games in my living memory. Yeah, they, you know. Uh, I think um, a couple of things just to sort of talk talk to well to agree with you on and and uh, reflect on from what you've just said. I mean, well, first of all, Neil Jenkins uh, spot quiz. I'm quite impressed that I know the answer to this. I haven't done any research because I didn't know you were going to obviously bring that up, Mike. But who was the uh, who was the player that Neil Jenkins overtook? Uh, at the time, anyway, to uh, reach that a thousand pound, a thousand pound, a thousand point mark. Grant Fox. I don't believe it was. It could be actually. I could be speaking rubbish. I, I might not know the answer, but I, I'm pretty sure I it was an Australian. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was an Australian. It's a bit of a hint. Oh. Yeah, Michael Liner. Oh, really? I think you'll find. Mm. Now, far no one remembers. No one remembers guys. second place. So. Maybe, you know, we can discuss it in the pub tomorrow. We can have a look at it. I'm not going to look it up now because that spoils the fun. But I think it was Michael Liner that Neil Jenkins uh, overtook. And I might be even been that game or that tournament he overtook when he when he kicked that conversion. But to your point, one of the things I remember about... And I'm going to be honest, right? For me, that's not the greatest Wales England game. Okay. But it is a classic. Um, what I find extraordinary about that game, and you sort of mentioned it, uh, Mike, was that, from my memory, it seemed like Scott Gibbs didn't have that far to go. But when you look at the highlights now, when you look at the replay, he had to run bloody 20, 30 metres to, to, to get that try in. And it wasn't just like it was a straight line either. He had to evade several steps. defenders, a couple of side steps. And I remember Eddie Butler commentating on that. And on the replay... When Scott Gibbs puts his hand up, even before he grounds the ball, you know, he goes, oh, Scott, don't do that. Just put it down, you know. And then, you know, the old, I think, I think there's a lot of truth to this. Then Neil Jenkins said to him, could you have not, you know, put it a bit, <laughs> could you have yeah. not grounded the ball a bit closer to the posts? Because there was a sensational kick under that pressure as well, because the game wasn't won at that point. Mm. Um so, you, you know, it, it is definitely up there. I think if you look at what happened after that game, so not eight, not only did we stop England winning the Grand Slam. And the Triple Crown. And the Triple Crown. We gathered momentum or confidence in a World Cup year. Uh, now, you could all say, oh, well, this is all, you know, in vain anyway, because, you know, we, we lost to Australia in the World Cup. And then the, last, the, the couple of years after that, we sort of went back down and into the doldrums, the rugby doldrums again. But we beat South Africa that year. We went into the World Cup on a wave of momentum. And you can argue that it gave, you know, the next generation, you know, that that uh, that motivation to take up rugby. So it is definitely up there. Um, what are your thoughts, guys? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I remember watching it at home with my father and obviously actually growing up as Pontypridd fans, we were massive fans of Neil Jenkins. It was amazing to see him slot that conversion over in that environment and pressure. Um, yeah, great memories, but uh, not the best for me. 
not the best. I'm disagreeing. I, I would go for 2013, that game, when like we beat them 30 points to three, when England had the Grand Slam on the line in Cardiff. Bit of a theme, and, yeah? <laughs> yep. <laughs> we love destroying England Grand Slam dreams, basically. <laughs> Spoiling their dreams. Um, I mean, any victory over England is, is a good victory, isn't it? But um, especially when... So why that game, though? Well, it was just... I just think, for me, it was either going to be that one or the Gavin Henson game. The what one? The Gavin Henson game, where Eddie Butler, I think, actually says, as Henson kicks the kick over at the end, Save away! away. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think the 2013 one for me, that's my best because it was just an absolute, i got to be careful what I say yeah, just an absolute battering. An yeah, absolute I'm, battering. Which I, like, I, we don't do to England often. Normally, if we beat yeah. them, it's a close, tight affair. But we destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. So, to be honest, right, the game that you're referring to, there's the Gavin Henson game where he, and I, you know, he humiliated the the next England golden boy, Matthew Tate, um, and yeah, to your point again, Eddie Butler, um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, the, the save away, Gavin, save away, eleven uh, nine that finished to Wales, two thousand and five, first Grand Slam since I'm not that good at the stats, but since the eighties, when it easily. Um, mm. Didn't really have many votes for that being the best. I mean, again, we had to get that monkey off our back um, yeah. to, to go on and, and have confidence to win the Grand Slam there. But didn't really have any votes for that being the best. And I know, guys, you're not saying that that was the best. You're saying the 33 one was. That's, that is one of my many honourable mentions. No, oh, don't start this honourable mention <laughs> rubbish again. You're as bad as Mike. Um, I think um, what, what I'm going to do, right, uh, yeah, you may say this is a bit controversial, maybe not controversial, but um, I just want to play, right? Because I really want, you know, this is a massive game tomorrow. Yeah, this is what it's all about being a Welsh rugby fan. This is what it's about being Welsh, right? So I'm just going to um, play for you guys, for, for, for our listeners, um, the, the anthem before that 33 uh, shellacking of, uh, of England back in 2013. All right. And, uh, yeah. Have a listen.
So for me, I think the anthem for that, it, it reminded me about Scotland a couple of weeks ago, but that is one of the best anthems um, for me that's sort of been uh, been sung. And um, I don't know if you heard that. Hopefully not for the purpose of the recording. Um, for our listeners, <laughs> we're still practising. Uh, but yeah, I love the anthem before that game. And... Um, I think uh, yeah, it makes the hair stand up on the on the back of your neck. And I know the game tomorrow is at Twickenham, um, but um, it just goes to show that, that that's what it means to, to us Welsh, really. But I think the beauty of that game is, again, like you said, Gaz, you know, 33, we smashed them. We stopped them from winning the Grand Slam. Um, it was the manner in which we beat them as well. I mean, we didn't, you know, we, we beat up on them. You know, there was there was some, two great tries, uh, both from Cuthbert. Um uh, who's playing tomorrow, but we'll get on that in a minute in the mic. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. Um, but despite all that, I, I, I still I still wouldn't say it was the best. So for me, the best England-Wales game is, okay, it's not a Six Nations game, but it's the 2015 Rugby World Cup. And I'll tell you why, to quote Mike. So <laughs> England hosting the World Cup, yeah, in their backyard. Expected to win. No one expected Wales to win. Plus we had injuries. Playing at Twickenham on a Saturday night. We started the game slow. Johnny May scored a try. But we were kept in it by the boot of Danny Boy, Dan Bigger. And then, of course, there's that try then on the 70th minute where there was nothing on. We were absolutely battered even more by injuries. Helen Amos has gone off. I think Scott Williams went off. There's a couple of other injuries. Lloyd Williams, a scrum half, has to go on the wing. Ball goes out to him. He does a little grubber kick. Gareth Davis latches onto it, scores under the posts. Game's still not won at that point. There's a massive penalty from nearly the halfway line, if not on the halfway line, by Dan Bigger then a couple of minutes later. That then makes it 28-25. And what makes it even better is that England, what do they do? They have a chance to, 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 to go for a draw at the end. And they say, nah, we're going to kick it into touch. We're going to go for the win. Now, you could say, well, it's a World Cup. You know, you've got to be bold. You've got to do that. But I see it as they thought, nah, you know, we can push these Welsh boys around. And I remember watching a documentary of Sam, Bur- Sam Burton, Sam Warburton as well. He's a good guy too. Um, and he was basically saying how as soon as England made that decision, because he was captain at the time, he just looked at everybody and I was just like, there's no way that England are going to push us yeah, are going to push us around here. And as soon as they call that line out, they're like, right, let's just push them in the touch. And of course, that's what happened then. Wales won the line out and then just kicked it off the field. Game over. Um, I just, I remember watching that in Grangetown at the time. And after that game, you'd think we'd won the World Cup. You went out, everybody was in the street. Cars were, were you know, honking their horns and people were just out celebrating. Honestly, you thought we'd won the World Cup. And we may as well have, because we've just knocked England effectively out of their own World Cup at Twickenham. Yeah, we've secured a quarterfinal place as well, because at that point, we had uh, beaten, I believe, Fiji. We had narrowly lost to Australia, but we'd beat England, so we'd done our bit. England still had to play Australia, so we'd secured a quarterfinal place. England had to go and play Australia, and Australia were much better then than they are now, even though they're on a rise again now. And for me, I don't know, I just think that was the best. Six Nations, fantastic. but And to stop England winning the Grand Slam is fantastic. But to knock them out of the World Cup effectively 
is is the best. So that's 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 for me, guys. I don't know if you've got any you want to challenge me on that. Um, any thoughts on that? I'm going to challenge both of you. And the reason I'm going to challenge both of you, uh, both of your games were so were twenty fist fist up, yeah. With you're 2013, you're talking 2013, you're talking 2020. I'm talking 1999. I'm talking a time when, dare I say, Wales didn't have the standard of players they had in the mid early mid 2010s. You look at you look at the players that were on the pitch for 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 20 2013. Gaz was on about there. I mean, you've got Gethin Jenkins, you've got Jamie Roberts, you've got George North on here, you've got James Hook on the on the pitch there. You know, name apart from Scott Gibbs, name me name me players that were on playing for Wales in 1999. Neil Jenkins. <laughs> I give you I give you two, but. But can you can you name any? Rob Howley, Neil Jenkins, Scott Quinnell, Craig Quinnell, Alan Bateman, Shane Howarth, David James. Behave yourself. Chris Wyatt. (laughs) But my point my point still is my point my my point my point still is that they weren't they weren't expected to do anything in 1999. Whereas at least they had they had shown that they could beat England. In by 2013, 2015, it's it's becoming quite and it's becoming almost almost a regular occurrence beating England. Whereas the one in 1999, it wasn't it wasn't regular beating England back then. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, oh. I'd love to agree. Uh, okay, we beat them last year, but and we beat them in 2019. But before 2019, we hadn't beaten them apart from the World since, Cup since, since 2015 since or 2013 or 2009. We haven't won a Twickenham for, for 10 years at HQ. We haven't won a Twickenham for 10 years. So, yeah, in 1999, it'd been a bit of a gap. Bit of a gap. I think it was about 20 years. Really? Since they beat, I, I think it was about 20 years since they beat them in either fixture. No. Or Motherway. Maybe about 10. Uh, give me 15 give me give me 15 but what do i know yeah i mean you know anybody listening if they want to fact fact check us or fact check mike then then please go ahead fact check um hang on is that fact or fat (laughs) both uh i think (laughs) the the beauty of of the of this podcast is that we don't claim to know everything um so yeah if you could let us know what the answer is rather than me being boring and research it now that'd be great um i don't know for his 20 years either but you know i think we'll have a, no, we'll have a look no, at the we, pub we, tomorrow. i'm sure we beat him in 94 or 95 i mean I, I lived in america then but i'm i'm sure that uh you know because i've so i've done my research not to contradict what i just said but i'm sure like there was a game at the arms park and yoyan you know, Evans the, scored yeah so you know, he's one of my favourite Welsh players as well. I don't, don't, don't get stray away from the subject. That's now, another right? podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't twenty. Great, greatest years. Welsh it wingers. <laughs> I'm trying to deflect greatest Welsh wingers. I'm trying to deflect quick. Yeah, yeah. I. Mm. You got to remember before that 1999 game as well. 
Wales did beat France. So they were riding a little bit of a wave of, okay, actually, we can, you know, hang in there with the big teams. But a few um, months before, they lost, like, massively against South Africa. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the point isn't, you know, to say you're wrong. Uh, each each one of us have uh, got a different favourite Wales England game. Um, you know, other honourable mentions. <laughs> so 2019, when we, you know, it it was when we were in the Grand Slam last, and of course that we left it late then as well. But we had that uh, try from Corey Hill, and a little bit of trivia. See again, I haven't done my research. I just know this from being a fan. How many phases before Corey Hill scored that try? Uh, well, two years, three years ago, sorry, when we won the Grand Slam. 18. In the England, more. Oh. In fact, 27. more. Really? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. We all done. We all done to the ball more than tw- for more than twenty-seven phases. We yeah. Giving a penalty away. Go on, guys. Thirty-three. More. Oh. You need to get on YouTube, boys. I tell you what, 36 phases, right? And then Corey Hill scored that try, which uh, I think we popped us in the lead marginally. And then, of course, we a couple of minutes later, we were uh, we had an advantage. And so uh, Biggs uh, did a little crossfield kick because he had nothing to lose, which is what he should have done against Scotland. But uh, I've said my piece. Uh, and of course, Josh Adams uh, plucked it out of the air and uh, we were watching out of the pub at the time. And um, there was an England lady standing right close to us, and most of the game she was giving it large, wasn't she? If you remember, and uh, then Josh Adams scored that try, and yeah, was I there as well? Of course. Yeah, of course oh, you were. Okay. I don't, I, I don't remember the English lady there. Yeah, uh, well, what can I say? For some reason, she took a liking to me, but I seem to have. Whenever I go to the pub, I seem to get that. And I, and, and for anybody listening, I'm, a, I'm not saying I'm a hunk. These ladies are very weird. So uh, they've usually been sat in there all day before. They've been sat in there all day before. (laughs) Cheers, Mike. Yeah, they're actually pissed, is what you want to say. Yeah. So (laughs) it's amazing what low pub lighting does for you. (laughs) Low pub lighting and uh, and alcohol. Yeah, I'm anyone's then. (laughs) (laughs) A good job, Katie doesn't listen to the show, is it? (laughs) <laughs> she, she doesn't listen to the show, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, so, just uh, quickly, a couple of other mentions that we had were 1976. Um, now, bearing in mind, a try at that time was only worth three points, I believe. Um, and we beat England um, 21 points to nine. Why that's such a, an important game? It, it, it was the making of JPR, really. JPR scored a couple of tries. He played for uh, London Irish at the time um, and worked in London. And, of course, it wasn't a professional sport. So he was a doctor, worked in London. And um, he, he uh, just mentioned after the game how much it meant to him to you know, score a couple of tries, good tries as well. Um, but I, 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 the reason why that's probably not one of the best, because in the 70s, we, we beat England quite a lot. You know, it, it was expected. Um mm. Can I you just know, ask, did that stop them winning a Grand Slam as well? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. We won the Grand Slam. Uh, I'm pretty sure we won the Grand Slam. I don't think it stopped England from winning the Grand Slam. Uh, the other honourable mention was 1970, England 13, Wales 17. Wales were trailing most of that game. Um, and um, it was the first time that either side 
And I've got to fact check this as well. That's fact check, not fact check. Fact check this as well. And again, if our listeners want to email us in, um, <laughs> but what do we know at mail.com? Uh, that was the first team. So I don't know if it's been done since. I don't think so. That was the first time that either side in this rivalry had come back from a 10 point deficit. Um, so that was, uh, that was Wales. And that was at Twickers HQ, twitting them, as I called it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, that was a big one. And of course, 1977 we won, and that was a game where um, the captain, Phil Bennett, um, is reputed to have inspired his teammates for the Wales versus England game with the pre-match speech. Look at what these bastards have done to Wales. They've taken our coal, our water, our steel. They buy our homes and only live in them for a fortnight every year. What have they given us? Absolutely nothing. We've been exploited, raped, controlled and punished by the English. And that's who you are playing this afternoon. So very good rousing speech. And uh, after that, it's no surprise that Wales put England to the sword. So same again tomorrow, Danny Boyd. Let's have a motivational speech. We're going to need it because uh, I think it's going to be tough tomorrow. Um, talk to me about what Gaz, what Gaz, Gaz, talk to me about what Wales need to do tomorrow to get a result. Score more points in England. Oh, um... well then, Mike. <laughs> well, I mean, Tuolagi being out for England's a big loss for England and a big boost for Wales. Um, what can we do? We need to take our chances if we get any. Every time we visit their 22. No, you can't cheat, right? You can't just. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. You can't just list off loads of cliches and, and you know, think, right, I've. I've I've given a really good analysis or really good insight into what's going to happen. It doesn't work like that. We need a bit of genuine. This is what this is how why I think we'll win. Just got to match him in the forwards, you know. <laughs> You're still doing it. <laughs> nah, as long as you're, you're saying a minute, we just need to, you know, ride the tide and steady, steady the, ship. the ship. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear me. Uh, I do think we need to keep an eye on the half-back partnership for England because they're quite lively. We can't let them sort of get a foothold in the game. He just can't help himself. He just cannot help himself. But but I think what he he does make a good point. Amongst all of those cliches and, and and, and absolute drivel. He does make a good point. I mean, Marcus Smith, for a start, I said it before, I'll say it again. Just a phenomenal player, you know, and he, he's so young as well. It's scary how good he could be. And I hate the fact he's English. Um, yeah, he, he, he just has the ability to... Well, he scored most of England's points this, this bloody championship so far. I mean, he scored all the points against Scotland for England. One and he had a and he had a try against uh, Italy, and everything seems to go through him, which may sound like an obvious, you know, he, he's fly half, so a lot of the, the uh, play goes through the fly half. But Marcus Smith, I mean, he just creates, he's so creative, and he just he draws in the defenders, and he just gets the centres involved. And that's why Tuolagi missing is, is, is good for Wales, because, again, you know, with Smith getting the centres involved, um, you know, that, 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 is a big problem and that is where the game in my opinion is going to be one of losses in the centers which is why i wasn't too happy with the selection um so 
we'll, we'll come back to you now, Mike, with with what Wales need to do to win. Um, but for me, just I think the game is going to be won in the centre partnership, uh, and I think I, I'm not sure that I, I'm I'm too happy with that. So I would have started Jonathan Davis with Nick Tompkins. Um, I think Pivak's trying to get some consistency because obviously they're the same two that started against Scotland, Tompkins and Watkin. Um, but I just don't think they're strong enough defensively. Well, certainly uh, Tompkins has improved in that area, but Watkin, I'm sorry, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. But I don't see it. I'm not even having Halaholo on the bench. <sighs> I don't know. We'll go into Pivak selection surely. But Mike, what have Wales got to do to win tomorrow? Well, I I think they've got to win their individual battles, and they've got to play in the right area of the field. A bit of intelligent rugby, <laughs> a bit of positive kicking. No, no. In all seriousness, I I think sort of similar to you. I I think um, first of all they need to work out what Marcus Smith puts on his hair because that never seems to move. <laughs> and, and and I know you two you two both have the short back and bald. I've still got some here, so. Uh, so I'm quite in, interested to know what products he uses there so it doesn't get in his eyes. Um, I, I think we need to get, and it's going to sound like a cliche, and it's not meant to because I'm, I'm trying to be serious on this one. I think we need to, we need to get the, the ball into our ball handler's hands. Um, and we need to... <laughs> ball handler's hands. Yeah. Um, and I think we well, need where our... else would you where, where else would you give a ball handler the ball? <laughs> His yeah. feet. And I think our strike runners need to need to make early meters. And I think we just need a bit of a platform for the you know for the <laughs> half back to get to get quick ball. I do hope that they continue um from the line-out success, and the scrub looked pretty solid against Scotland as well. Um, so I, I just build on that. Um, it's going to be, you know, we all laugh and joke, and we are going to look at it through our rose-tinted lenses, and I give it 45 seconds before I shout at the TV for the ref doing something wrong. Um, I remember that, guys, right? Because that's at the time it's tomorrow. 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Um, but it is going to be a close game, and I think it is going to be it is going to be fine margins which decides it. Yeah. So, so I I, I said that the game is going to be lost, in my opinion, in the centre, with the centres. Um, where would you say that you think it's going to be one or lost? I think it's going to be the forwards. I think we need to get a platform. If we got no platform, we lose the game. Okay, Gaz. Um, well, I I can see both of your points really, but um, I can see arguments for both of them really. Uh, I'm happy with the forward. Well, I'm more happy with the forwards that than I am with the centres or with Owen Watkin, for example. Um, Jack Morgan b- being brought back to the bench. Well, yeah. what do you I think, think bringing Fanatel back in, he's like a calming presence. If the scrum is struggling and we, and we are going backwards, I don't think there's a better eight in the world mm. at picking the ball up under pressure mm-hmm. and actually protecting the ball to to get a good exit 
um, plan, you know. So, so Salupe picks the ball up at the base of the scrum. That's going backwards. It takes two or three people to bring him down. We get there, recycle the ball, and then clear our lines. Mm. Um, I just think, and with his big game experience as well, like, you know, I think, I think we said last week we would have kept the forwards the same, but I don't think we was expecting no. Fanatel back so soon. No, uh, um, I, I, I don't see a negative there really, but apart from the centres, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at the forwards, I thought, um, you know, if he's, if he's fit and he, I think, I believe he played 80 minutes last week for Bath, Fanatel. Mm-hmm. So you know, great, yeah. you know, get him in. Uh, shame for Jack Morgan, but hey, you know what? What a sub to bring on, you know, in the 60th, 70th minute. Um, and he certainly didn't, you know, he certainly had a, you know, a pretty promising debut. But yeah, I think, I think, um, as I said, the centre partnership got me scratching my head a little bit, uh, and and the bench as well. So uh, there's yeah. there's no Gareth Gareth Davis on the bench. There is Kevin Hardy. I'll give you, I'll give him, I'll give him that. Uh, I am a big fan of Kevin Hardy. Um, there is uh, Jonathan Davis, thank God, uh, but there's no, I say, there's no Halaholo. Um, you know, Derry Lake is on there, which is good. Leon Brown um, is is uh, is on the bench. Um, interesting as well because Dylan Lewis isn't there, and I actually think J- Dylan Lewis has had a great. Well, I say great. I mean, no one go that far, but I mean, when he came on against Scotland, he was awesome, and he he ultimately won. Uh, with his Jacqueline, he, he he won the ball in the last minute that that um, effectively won the game. So uh, I think Dylan Lewis, you know, surprised he's not on the bench. So yeah, the the, the formation is a little bit formation. Sorry, the lineup is a little bit interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on Mike? I'll come to you on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Louis Rizamet being dropped? Like um... I said I said it a couple of weeks ago that I think he should, but. I'm just interested in uh, in what your thoughts are as well. I, I think for me, probably the right decision. Um, uh, I th- he's not looked the same. He's not looked right. Uh, I think go back to your club, get some confidence, get some game time, get some ball in hand, um, and then maybe bring him back. Maybe bring him back for the Italian game. Um, but would that be would that be rough on on Cuthbert and Adams who? Are probably going to be our our two wingers, um, not just in this game, but probably in the next game as well. Um, he's young, you know. Sportsmen, they do they do take knocks, they do take setbacks. Is it such a bad thing that he that he takes a little bit of time away from the national game and then and then comes back stronger? I think he need, he's still developing. I think he needs. He needs to work a little bit more on his defence, and hopefully he can he can implement that um, at, at club level. I, I asked for your opinion. I didn't ask for you to like give me a, a proper coach statement. You sounded like you were Wayne Pivak then. I mean, <laughs> no, but you, you are right. He does need to go back to Gloucester. He does need to. Uh, I think he needs to get a few games under his belt. <laughs> He needs to get a few games under his belt, work on his defence, get that angle, ankle sorted, um, and then come back you know, in the summer or in the autumn, you know, hopefully bigger, better, stronger. Um, it, it doesn't help that, you know, he, he plays in a team that um, that struggles to get the 
you know, he struggles to get ball, right? So mm. you, you can only, you know, you can't really criticise him for that. Um, you know, but I, I think it's a defensive bit that, that's let him down. To, to quote um, Wayne Pivak, um, uh, he said, I think the experience of the other two is in Cuthbert and Cuthbert, yeah, Cuthbert and uh, Adams, their work rate off the ball and, and those sort of things are really going to come into play. I think he means the physicality without you know, without being sort of uh, rude to Louis Rizamet because the physicality isn't there, the speed is there, like I say, the skill, and he can create something out of nothing. We saw that against Fiji in the autumn and Scotland last year in the Six Nations. But against England, you've got to be physical. And, and one thing about Cuthbert, we've chastised him a little bit on this show, but he, uh, Who haven't he's physical. We? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what do we know? But... Um, <laughs> Uh, Eddie Jones has, of course, had his input and he said that, you know, Louis Samet isn't fit and that's his reason for thinking why we're not playing him. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, Eddie Jones actually said, if you are a racehorse owner, you wouldn't be putting him out on the track. You would have him in the stables for a while. So, um, you know, <laughs> make of that what you may. Um, but yeah, so it is a big one and he's young, so... It can go one or two ways. He can either bounce back, you know, again, bigger, better, badder, stronger, whatever. Um, or, you know, it can affect his mental health. And, and I hope it doesn't. Um, but um, I, I think he'll, I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be fine. I mean, you know, he was he was patient. The first Six Nations uh, two years ago, um, he was in the squad. He didn't really get played. But did that motivate him then to have a good good tournament last year perhaps so yeah if if you look at some of the best Welsh players over the last 10-15 years we could go even longer than that but I'm just using that because it's recent memory they've probably all been dropped at one point Shane Williams um, was Shane Williams was dropped he was told he was too small okay he was a, you know it was uh, well I say it was a different coach yeah it was of course it was um, Scott Hansen wasn't it he was too slow not big enough etc you know and, and look how he bounced back just as one example so um, you know, I think I think Dan Big has been dropped at one point. So it's good in a way because for me, and this is this goes back into sort of sport mentality and a winner's philosophy and a winner's mentality. But you've got to create a culture of you know you've got to have a bit of depth. Um, you've got to you know want people fighting for your position. If you reward people for playing mediocre and for not you know not doing their job essentially, you know, so whether that's Louis Rizamit. Not, not, you know, doing a good job tackling Darcy Graham against Scotland, etc., or, you know, someone fluffing the fluffing the lines or whatever. If you reward that by playing them again, yes, everybody makes mistakes, but if you reward that by playing them again, when there's an opportunity to send them off and and they, they work on it, maybe at club level and then come back, and just so they sort of know that it's not always a guarantee that you're always going to play, that should hopefully give you the motivation to come back. As I say, bigger, better, stronger. Um, what, what do you think, Gaz? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree, uh, to, to be fair. I mean, he's only a young kid. So 21. Is You know, I know he's been through some personal stuff the last week or so as well, out away from the rugby pitch, so maybe that's had an effect on him. But, yeah. yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean... He's in a good place to like improve 
regardless, you know, it's not like he's been kicked out and shunned. I'm pretty sure, like, there's a good leadership group mm. in the Welsh squad who will, yeah. when he does come back, he'll be able to slide back in as if yeah. nothing's really happened, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be all right. Um, so, I mean, you've got Adams, you've got Cuthbert on the wings. Um, guys, what what are we thinking in regards to, and you can look at the lineup for this, to, but I mean, some of the criticism of Pivak this week and since he's revealed the team selection is that there doesn't seem to be any consistency in in uh, sort of his picks or in his game plan. So if you think back to why again, and I'm, I think we mentioned this in the first one or first or second episode about the reason why we got Pivak was to play an expansive brand of rugby. They used to play at Scarlets and were successful at the Scarlets. Haven't really seen that, and you can blame injuries, etc. Um, maybe it's just harder to do on the international level. But are you concerned that? You know, we've got a massive game tomorrow where the reality is we're probably not going to win. Right. My heart says one thing, my head says the other. Are you worried now where we've got the World Cup theoretically around the corner? I know it's, you know, <laughs> I know it's September 2023, right? So we've got over a year before it. But in rugby terms, you know, there's only one more Six Nations. It's, you know, there's the summer tour to South Africa and some autumn internationals. There's not that long to go, you know, and, and he's still playing around with things. I still don't feel like we have an identity. No. I personally don't think he knows what his best 15 are um, and who to put in at his best 15. I think he came in wanting to play the same way he played. He coached at the Scarlets, which got him the job. But I think there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of media backlash when we didn't win our first few games and I think almost like he wants an easy fix let's get a couple of results on the board and let's not let's let's worry about performance later whereas as going back to what I said I said this six nations if we have a good performance and don't win three or four matches then I'm happier that they've got a better performance Ireland there was no performance there was no performance there was no result Scotland Slightly better performance. There was a result. What we need tomorrow is we need a result and we need a performance. If we still not see in a performance at the end of the Six Nations, I think we really need to have a serious thought about what direction that we're going in. Because there is a very real possibility that we'll struggle to get out of the group stages at the next World Cup if we don't deal with it by the Autumn Internationals this 2022 the summer tour as what we need to know how we're playing and what we want to play and i've had a thought about this and i'm going to have my two pence worth on here what we need to do and i don't know if they're doing it as much but we should have dna running at all the internet at all the age ranges he's looking at me funny at all the age ranges for the international teams so we should have the same game play we should have the same way of playing the senior level that the under 20s play the under 18s play 
So when you do move up out of the under-18s, you move up to the under-20s, the under-20s to the senior team, you play in the same game plans. You say play in the same sort of way. You're not going out of one team and then learning to play an entirely different way because you've moved up an age range. It's, it's amazing, right? Because I actually agree with what you're saying. But when you first started mentioning DNA, I was like, what yeah. the hell is he on about? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, right, we need to take, you know, DNA samples of each, of oh every rugby God. player in well, the we, world. We just, and we just hopefully need... find some, you know, some all black players, some South African players of any slight bit of Welsh DNA in them. And we can say, claim them for Wales, because that's the only chance we have of being successful. That's where I thought you were going with that. I'm glad you weren't, because you would have sounded like a Wally, but you don't. You actually sound quite, quite, I actually agree with what you said. We just need a national identity and have it through every age range. Mm. And and I would go as far as to say, let's get the grassroots, grassroots, that's the gym that is, let's get the grassroots coaches who go into the schools, let's get them play for the WRU, let's get them teaching the same way wow. that the national coaches do. Now you're, now you're, now you're really starting a brand new topic because we'll be going into at the moment why what is going on with Welsh rugby behind closed doors and is it's a topic for another day but it, it, it is the issue and why Wales rugby is under threat and the future of Welsh rugby under threat because of the WRU and the way it breeds uh, future players and you know how we how we manage our grassroots game you know it's definitely something of a topic for another of another night but it's definitely worth discussing and it is a good point um but I guess going back to the the, the question, Gaz, is, is do you feel like Pivak still doesn't know what he's? I said doesn't know what he's doing. But I mean, pretty this, much this, this 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 game plan tomorrow. Is that right? This is Wales. This is how we're going to play going forward. Or is he looking just at every game of just getting through it with you know minimal damage as possible? That's what it seems like. But I think Pivak needs to actually come out and say what his game plan is yeah you know see is he happy to for wales to just sort of um edge out like like little 20 points to 17 victories or does he want wales to actually express themselves and score tries which is what he implemented at the scarlets but you know it's a good point but going back to identity and mike mentioned it that that is that ironically that is the welsh identity isn't it mm. you say we need to find an identity well the welsh identity when it comes to rugby okay it may it may not be the case for the last 10 15 years although i would say that actually under mike ruddock you know for that mm. brief time he was in charge we did play that expansive style of rugby and it did work um but okay i didn't live then but i've seen highlights i've spoken to my father about it and and uh you know you think about Wales in 60s, 70s and, and 80s, that that was Welsh rugby. It was yeah, running rugby. That, it was running rugby. Yeah, that was the identity of the Welsh national team. Um, and I tell you what, when you go on YouTube, lads, and you you watch the highlights, you you some of the some of the ball handling um, and and everything. I know it's different now, different generation. You know, they're athletes, they're professionals, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. But I would argue they were much better ball handlers back then. You know, I, they got the ball out quick. There was none of this forward rubbish. It was always out to the backs. 
and uh, they were the ones who did the damage. We used to produce absolute mm-hmm. quality backs, world-class backs. And I'm not saying we don't now, but the issue, the issue we have now is that we don't get the ball out to them. I always think we look, we look as a team, especially going forward, more far more dangerous when the game is unstructured and broken up. But it, can you can you win like that though? You can't be. You can't win like, like that. No. in South Africa like that. But that, but to your point, you're right because that's what he's doing. But that's not a long-term solution. He needs to be looking now at the World Cup next year. You know, we 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 said right from the start, this Six Nations is, if we lose, fine. But it's about the performance. But at the moment, we're not getting either. I know we beat Scotland, and that's great. But I think Scotland beat themselves up. We forced them into a dogfight. Tomorrow, England. If you're going to beat England, you need, you're going to need to score tries. And I can't see a score in that many tries. And this is the issue. I think we're going to need, if we're going to beat England, we're going to need to score four tries. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's yeah. honestly, ask me ask me what I'm going to bet for. I'm always going to put a couple of quid on Wales to win, though. <laughs> and what, about it, what about Italy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, always a couple of quid on Italy. Yeah. Listen, this this is, you know, I've been pumped for this game for a while. Obviously, the last two weeks has been building up. I'm really excited for tomorrow, um, you know, because part of me is like we've got nothing to lose, you know, and and, and we'll probably play like that, um, which you know we always play better as underdogs. But then part of me is just like, yeah, but why? Why should? Why are we always the underdogs? Or why? Why are we always playing like better when we're the underdogs? You know. New- New Zealand don't play better when they're the underdogs. They just play good consistently. Um, but yeah, like I say this is tonight is a is a celebration. It's about being proud to be Welsh. It's about talking about that rivalry. But it's because we get so passionate about it that it means so much to us. And uh, it is a question for you lads, right? Uh, just off the cuff, would you rather? Um, would you rather? finish fifth in the table but have beaten England or finish first or second in the table and lost to England I'd probably rather finish second and lose to England provided England were third, fourth or fifth (laughs) good answer (laughs) good intelligent answer you thought that through yeah Mike I'd prefer to come fifth and beat England. So, so why, then, guys? So why why have you gone for your respect, respected answers? Because for me, like because we've beaten England a few times now. It's you know, yes, it's always great to beat them, but it's not the end of the world if if like we do lose to them, provided. <gasps> Provided we actually beat a few of the other teams and we actually finish fairly high up the table. Mike? I you just, don't agree. No, I... I. Are you sure you're Welsh, guy? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> He's checked his DNA. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to have your own table in the pub you carry on like this. Table for one, sat in the corner back to the screen so you can't see what's going on. That's going to be you. 
I, I just, I don't know. It, I think it just goes to, to the, the bygone days, isn't it? You, you know, I don't care what happens as long as we beat the English. Um, I, I just think it, it you know. Isn't that is the it... problem? Yes. That we have a mentality of, oh, as long as we beat the English, though? Yeah. So so there's a famous quote by um, by Vince Lombardi where he says, winning is a habit. Um, obviously, one of the most successful NFL coaches of all time, Packers coach, and um, he talks about how, you know, winning is a habit. And, and for Wales, you know, we talk about the last couple of years and how they've just ground out wins, um, you know, and they haven't been... They haven't been pretty or whatever, but, you know, they've been quite successful. Um, but my point being is that it's because they had, mo- you know, they had they, they had a belief that they could win games. I'm not saying they haven't got that now, but to Gaz's point, if they are winning more games, if they have a winning mentality overall in the longer term, that's going to be better for Welsh rugby because it's, if we're more successful, more kids are going to get into rugby, etc. Gives us better hope for the future. If we only focus on England, and I'm being devil's advocate here, right? Because I flipping love beating England and I would love nothing more than to win tomorrow, right? But being devil's advocate, that's the whole point of the show. Um, I think you turned but... into Keegan for a minute then. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it if we beat them, though, generally. I would love it tomorrow if we beat them. Because, again, no, everybody's written us off this week, right? And, I, you know, and, and you know, we're missing, again, like so many, so much experience, so many good players. Um, and part of me is just like, I would never want Wales to lose, especially against England. But, you know, do we need that kick up the arse? Uh, but I don't know. But, again, being devil's advocate, that's what I mean by winning is a, is a habit. Because if you finish first or second in Six Nations... That is a pretty respectable. Even if you've lost to England, you've got to be happy that providing England a third or fourth, that you, you'll finish first or second, especially with the way France and Ireland are playing at the moment. Um, Mike, you don't agree. Just talk to me a little bit more about why why you're still shaking your head. I just I just don't I just don't I just you don't get a trophy for second or third. You don't get a trophy for fifth. Let's just take let's just take the big scalp, you know. They call them <laughs> they call themselves the home of rugby. It's it's not even like a rugby union. It is just the rugby the the rugby union. It it let's just take less, you know. It's just bragging rights, isn't it, for you? It is big bragging rights, yeah. Mm. And I think you know, I think it's you know, it, it is is it the is it because you know, again. They don't, uh, is it because we see them as more superior and, and you know you beat them you beat in, you beat in, you know a, a more a stronger team yeah I don't even th- I don't I don't even think it's that I just I just think that it's nice just to it's nice just to rub the smugness off their faces especially especially Eddie Jones yeah I mean yeah, absolutely. I can't stand him. Um, although, like I said earlier, he did have a great quote about Louis Riesamit. Um Just put it into context, though. Again, devil's advocate. Not now siding with Mike. But the reason why we do enjoy beating England is if you think about how much money they invest in rugby compared to Wales, 
I don't have the figures. So again, if you're listening and you, you want to share, but what do we know at mail.com? Um, Mike will share the Twitter handle with you at the end because I forgot it, to be honest. So um, <laughs> oh, great. Uh, but what do we know at mail.com? <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> or just, you know, please subscribe. Please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us on the podcast. But sorry, I digress. The population of London alone is roughly 9.2 million people. That's just London, right? I say that's just London, obviously one of the world's biggest cities. 9.2 million. The population of Wales is just over three, right? So this is why we love playing England, because the amount of talent that they should be producing compared to Wales, they should always be smashing us. We always punch above our weight, really, in rugby. So why do we have that massive expectation that we should always win? Well, because again, it's rugby, it's in our national identity, etc. But that's why I believe, again, people enjoy and would say, would argue on your side, Mike, that I would rather we just be England because they're our neighbour, the history, and as I say, London alone is 9.2 million and we're a country of 3 million. And yet we still give them a game. Fingers crossed we give them a game, I'm praying. Fingers crossed we give them a game tomorrow. But that, that's why. I think that's why. I mean, Scotland, I don't know the population of Scotland. Same with Ireland. But again, it's going to be nowhere near England. And that's why to Scotland and Ireland as well, you know, England is probably their biggest game. Um, The only country really, Italy, but it's definitely not their national sport. France is a big country. But again, it's it's the history and the fact it's part of the UK. And it's arrogance. I think it, it is that as well, not being anti-English, but you just have to look at Mike Brown's comments this week. He said none of the Welsh players would get into the England 15. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. Maybe they wouldn't, but I find that quite arrogant and I also yeah. hope that that motivates the team to get better. And I don't agree with it. I think England got some really good players and probably most of them maybe wouldn't. But I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with all 15, especially now Falatau's back, for an example. Mm. And again, to my point a minute ago, look how much, you know, you can brag and say, oh, well, none of the Welsh players will get in the England 15. There's 3 million people in Wales. How many people have you got in England to pick from? Gaz, what do you think? On Mike Brown's comments or just the whole... Uh, my, my whole rant then, but I mean, yeah, if you want to focus on Mike Brown's comments. <laughs> well, um, just going back to the 2015 World Cup, I think, one of the highlights was obviously I can't I, I'm not sure if it was after we played it was England. if you're thinking about Mike Brown and Mike Brown's yeah. little it was when we beat them yeah. interview mm-hmm. classic absolute yeah. TV gold or gold TV um, but yeah like for obviously Scotland Island and Wales obviously the England game has like a lot of historical importance for many reasons like politically don't go there you know and it is like a classic case of the little brother versus the big brother the little brother always wants to beat his big or he always wants to beat or be better than his bigger brother you know it's just a mentality thing and it is the case um in 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 the fixtures between England and and the Celts, you know? It just, you know, playing France and Italy just doesn't have that same edge mm-hmm. for us. 
as for when we play England. So, although like, if someone wants to give us th- three free tickets to uh, Italy versus Wales in Rome, <laughs> then, uh, we we would broadcast live from there. Yeah, and we will mention your name. Yeah, we'll mention your names as well <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, um, it was a it was a good rant, passionate. Thank you, mate. It's what the podcast is all about. Absolutely. So no what one about you, in their tongues here, do they? Oh, hopefully not. Anyway, go on, Mike. I, I'm just marking off. I, I, I'm shocked that you did a whole thing without any cliches, then, Gah. Actually, if I'm honest. I was I was getting ready to mark off which ones you'd used. I've used them all up already. <laughs> to be honest, I was getting another drink, so I really wasn't paying much attention to the last few minutes. Well, it is final orders, so we'll we'll have your thought, um, and then we'll have a prediction, and then we'll uh, we leave it there. Get some sleep before the big day tomorrow. Um, Gaz's first round. Yes, Gaz's first round, but. Um, but yeah, Mike. Just on Mike Brown's comments and and what I said there about um, you know why you know Wales punching above their weight, etc. What what do you think? I, I don't even give Mike Brown's comments a passing thought. And I'm just leaving that there. I I I don't think. I think he was. I he wouldn't get into a starting Wales 15 team. So, you know. Who's he to talk about? No Welsh players would get into a combined Wales and England 15. Cool. All right, and lads, well, you know, less than 24 hours, the game will be over. So we'll either be uh, singing hymns and arias or we'll be not singing hymns and arias. <laughs> so we might be singing it anyway if we're that drunk. So, uh, exactly, exactly. So, um, Thanks for joining, um, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll just finish off with uh, our, our predictions. Um, this is where Mike um, says, "Oh, I think Wales will win by 30. Um, <laughs> but no, we'll we'll finish with some predictions. Again, Wales haven't won a Twickenham for 10 years. Last time they won, Scott Williams produced a um, an individual moment of excellence to secure that win. Um, Something like that would probably not uh, not go amiss tomorrow. It'd be very nice if someone could create that. That's what we're going to need. Like I say, the game we're going to need to score tries if we're going to win. So, uh, Mike, I come to you. What's your prediction? He's not on mute. He's having a think. Thirty-one twenty-eight to Wales. Oh, for God's sake! I think you predicted that last week, didn't you? It's going to come in one day. <laughs> I, uh, I just can't see us scoring 28 points. I can see us conceding 31. I can't see us scoring 28, to be honest. I hope I'm wrong. Gaz? England 24, Wales 15. I hope you're wrong. So do I. What do you know? I hope you're all right. I'll say England 40, Wales 16. Ooh, ooh. Oh, Dan! Listen, right? I I hope, I pray that I'm wrong. 
and not just wrong. I hope I'm completely wrong. But I just, I'm really, really worried that it's not even going to be close. It's going to be anticlimax and it's just going to be a bit like Ireland all over again. For Ireland, I, uh, if you remember on episode one, I thought, oh, I got a, a feeling that, you know, we're underdogs and we might pull it out of the bag. And it didn't. Even though we were underdogs, we got smashed. England will look at the Ireland game. They'll see where Ireland dominated. They've got the players to do the same to us as what Ireland did to us. Um, and I, I am worried. I am worried. So don't want to finish the podcast uh, this week's episode on a negative because ultimately it's Wales, England. It is, as I said right at the start, it's, you know, some years this happens a couple of times. World Cup years, maybe when we have warm-up games against them in the summer, or even play them in the warm in the World Cup, but it usually only happens once a year. So it is always exciting. Really looking forward to it when that anthem plays and stuff. It's going to be goosebumps. It's going to be hair standing on the back of your neck, and you know, if if we get off to a really good start, it's going to get really interesting then and really exciting. Um, England very much a confidence team as well. So if we manage to somehow get out to a bit of a lead at the start, who knows? Who knows? But we'll see you guys. Looking forward to spending the day with you in the pub. And uh, come on, the Welsh. That's all I'll say. But yeah, it's, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. But what do we know at mail.com? If you've got any questions, any comments, any feedback, make sure you hit the subscribe button on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to our podcast. Um, really uh, appreciate any comments that you've got and any ratings or reviews you can give us as well. But for me, for tonight uh good night and uh we'll be back next week to uh pick the bones out of tomorrow's game so that's good night for me cheerio that was good <laughs>